Hey, Sam. Oh, hey, Bev. What you drinking over there? I'm drinking a Central State Brewing Alderschlag. 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 I think it means throat punch in German. Oh, that's don't right. Quote me on that. <laughs> I think that's what he told us when we were there. Oh, so if that is not correct, he was just making it up. Not my fault. Or we're just making it up. <laughs> not his fault. <laughs> Hashtag not his fault. <laughs> what are you drinking over there? I am drinking another cider from Blake's Hard Cider, and it's called El Chavo, and it is a cider infused with habanero and mango. Ooh, that sounds delicious. So it's got a little heat to it. Yeah, it is really good. I had it for the first time when I did painting with a twist in East Lansing as like a little workouting, and I was like, oh my god, this is so good. Um, It's kind of got like a little margarita vibe. You know, if you get not like just a regular lime margarita, but if you get like a something with a little heat, like a jalapeno one. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what it reminds me of. So I'm a fan. Mmm. Sounds delish. Yeah, I realized mm-hmm. I didn't really describe my beer very well. All I said was throat punch. That doesn't mean anything to anybody. That could be description <laughs> enough, though. <laughs> That's true. But this is a tart and refreshing Berliner Weiss that's complemented perfectly by the addition of fresh Meyer lemons for a clean and piney finish. And I agree. It's very lemony. Clean, piney. Like, is it like pine salt? Kind of. No, just kidding. No No wonder it would throat punch you. (laughs) Now that you say it. (laughs) No, it's just very, very lemony. In fact, this would be an amazing beer to have with a giant slice of blueberry pie. Ooh. Because it would be like the blueberry and the lemon. So you'd have like the nice sweet and then like the really tart. I'm all into pairings at the moment. Oh, that sounds delicious. Life's too short to not drink good things that go with your food. Yes. Amen. I mean. To that. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. That's Bev over there. And that's Sam over there. And this is the Farm Comedy Podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero 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 clucks about not having the perfect farm life that's right we want to create a community for farmers whether you have a hobby sized farm or a huge farm to come listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing we keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make the new knowledge we gain and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related and speaking of tangents sometimes we cut those out of the podcast and stick them up on patreon And if you're a Patreon peep, those outtakes are exclusively for you. So go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm to check out all your different options for signing up to become a Patreon peep starting at $2. And we also have other fun exclusive things up there for you to check out as well. Yeah, like cheers to our drink sponsor, which is Montana Coombs of At Thimbleworks. Thanks for sponsoring our drinks, lady. Yes. And if you go to thimbleworks.co and use code DRINKANDFARM at checkout, you get 10% off your order. She's got all kinds of stuff up there. Drinkware, clothes, uh, hen saddles, which I had to explain hen saddle to somebody this week. So what that is, is like a little, it's almost like a cape 
almost, depending on what kind you get for your hen. <laughs> Super chicken. <laughs> yes, that might be a little well-loved by the rooster and maybe lost some of her feathers on her back. Um, that's a great way to shield the rooster's spurs and claws from her back so she can regrow those feathers. So go check all those out. Can somebody make a shin saddle for me to like protect oh, no. me from being flogged to death by the roosters because that'd you be need great thing to carry around a big stick that's what i do a stick or a shovel and then make <sighs> eye contact and say no that's what i do you should have seen it i'm gonna go off on a little tangent but it's a farming tangent so, it's so we'll be keep, totally fine we'll keep it in here <laughs> yeah it'll it'll stay it'll stay in the episode i was out there helping herc with his you know man issues that he's been having <laughs> and the rooster sneaks up behind me and i turn around and i catch him before he does it and i'm looking him in the eye i've stomped a foot forward so i'm in an aggressive stance mm-hmm. and i'm leaned forward you know like with both of my hands out in front of me to like make myself look as big and like as intimidating as possible and i'm like no don't do it he looks at me <laughs> and he does it so then I start screaming and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> my husband's on the deck and I'm kicking out my feet, like totally missing him. And he's like, you need some help out there, honey. And I'm like, no, but the rooster just flogged me and I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> he's like, well, yeah. don't wear shorts out there. <laughs> but my screeching you of really no <laughs> was really awesome. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it takes them a few times to learn, and sometimes they just never do. Like, with Lance at this point, we have established, like, I have eyes in the back of my head, and he knows it. Yeah. Um, But, like, my stepson was here last weekend, and he was, like, not doing the big stance, but he was locking eyes with Lance, and Lance would just beeline for him, and then I had the hose in my hand, so I'd just squirt Lance with the hose, and he'd stop. But every time... He would try to go to the porch. Lance would go after him. So eventually I had to like walk my stepson to the porch and up the stairs. (laughs) So Lance would leave him alone. Because they don't. Well, and he's, you know, as a kid made the mistake of coming at him too aggressively back. So now Lance sees him as like his adversary and not like somebody that's above him. So I think that's part of the issue. But it's hard when they're here only every other weekend for them to truly learn how to know those situations. And chickens sense fear. I swear. They do. <laughs> they really do. And, you know, my kids are here all the time. And I just discovered that uh, one of them was skipping felling the chicken feed feeder because they were scared of Aww. Stephen Rue Morris. Luckily, the chickens free range. They're fine. They're getting plenty of food. Yeah. So they weren't like starving or anything. But still, I was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I'm scared of the rooster. And I'm like, you're wearing boots that go up over your knees. Like if he goes yeah. after you, just I'm like, wear jeans and boots right you're fine like you're so much bigger than him like and if you accidentally kick him too hard it was kind of his fault so right (laughs) and you know he's doing the right things worth wearing the right clothes and it's just don't turn your back yeah and maybe get him a stick to carry (laughs) that's actually not a bad idea i think i'll give him a pool noodle we got that recommendation see there you go from Lindsay over at chickens matter because a pool noodle is soft but it's also rigid enough that you can make him keep your distance from you but it's also not so hard that you accidentally get a little overzealous and regret later 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'm going to stop at the dollar store and get him one of those. Thanks for the reminder. Something to keep between you and the rooster. Sometimes that's enough. Like sometimes I go in with a snow shovel into the coop to open the door and that is enough because it's so big that they just kind of stay back. They don't want to kick that, but they'll kick Mm. me. (laughs) Jerks. (laughs) Why do we have roosters again? Oh, yeah, because we like chicks. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I just had, like, five hatch under a silky. So mm. I'm like, you better all be hens, please. <laughs> for the love of God, all be hens. <laughs> we need to develop some sort of dance you can do around the eggs to make them all hens. Oh, yeah. That yeah. would, Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure hoping we the hens just, like, project all their good juju onto the eggs when they're sitting on them, knowing that we already have way too many roosters, that they just know we need to grow that hen population. <laughs> they're like, we're tired of being harassed. We're going to make all these ladies. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. But you have some follow-up this week. I do. Um, I finally got... All the parts of my omelet coop and put it together last weekend when it was hot. Um, It probably took me like a little over two and a half hours to do it all by myself. But I took a lot of breaks in between. So I don't know exactly how long it took me to like put it together. I will say the actual coop part was very, very like easy to put together. I did not enjoy putting the run together. Um, it wasn't that difficult. It's just that I am an impatient person and I get frustrated by Ikea's, uh, <laughs> you know, just pictures and assuming you can interpret the pictures. There, there was a little bit of that with some words for the run and I got a little frustrated and built it like just slightly wrong, <laughs> but it's functional. Oh, no. So I was like, screw it. I'm not, I'm not undoing all this. Um, but it works great. We got uh, three hens in there right now that are well-loved, as I mentioned when we were talking about hen saddles. Oh, um, yeah. So maybe I should call it the best little whorehouse in Michigan. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, my God. You need to paint that sign and hang it from the outside of that run. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but they're hanging out in there. They have been for about a week, and their feathers are already growing back, like, really quickly um, with the help of just a break from the boys and some grublies. So uh, thank you to Coop Dreams and Omelette for making my Coop Camp dreams come true. Um and thank you to the chicken that shit on number 14. So I could win the coop. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to see more pictures of it. Those omelet coops uh, look really cool and handy. So. Yeah. And I was looking on their website and they have like bunny hutches too, which are basically like the, like the chicken one, but a little different on the inside. Oh, yeah. So I might have to invest in something like that later. For all the bunnies, because they keep multiplying. So <laughs> They do what rabbits do. <laughs> they do what rabbits do. Uh, it's a little hard so to stop from them. Speaking of coop dreams, I know you have an update as well. Oh, I do. Um, so the coop dreams hatching eggs are currently pipping. Yay! Like, as we speak. I can't believe it's been three weeks since we got back from coop camp, first of all. Ugh, I know. It kind of feels like it's flown by. I don't know what happened to June, but by June. Hello, July. 
Yeah. And uh, so there's four eggs currently pipping. We had 12 eggs total. One of them got smashed a little by the automatic egg turner. And that egg I ended up throwing out, even though I had tried to repair it. Because when I was candling it, it didn't make any development movements mm. whatsoever. I'm like, I don't want this leaching or seeping or exploding yeah. in here. So I'm just going to check this one. But most of the eggs were uh, really like opaque shell, so I couldn't see in them. So I have tons of mysteries that I have no idea whether mm. or not they started developing or not. But four out of 11 are currently pipping. So I feel good about that hatch rate if all four of those hatch even if no one else does just because I was talking to Sam earlier and I realized that when I drove them home I had left them on the floorboard underneath the driver's side seat and I forgot how rough Indiana's roads were so they were kind of getting like vibrated all the way to the Ohio (laughs) state line which probably wasn't super great for them they might have used a little more cushion. Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned on that one. But four is pretty good for any kind of egg that's not in your backyard that is traveling. Yeah, that's how I feel too. And it was really fun. Um, I actually, they've been kind of just doing their own thing. <laughs> like I check it to make sure that the humidity is right and the temperature is right. And I open it up twice a day to just turn them. But mm. other than that, I've only candled them twice. And I've been basically ignoring them. So, I mean, I'm feeling good about that hatch rate, regardless of Indiana roads or whatever. Because I just, like, June totally got away from me. I really should have been, like, obsessing over those eggs. But, you know, with all of Herc stuff and traveling and... Yeah, you went on vacation, so somebody else was responsible for taking care of those, too. That's right. (laughs) For five whole days out of 21, which is actually, like, almost a third. Yeah. No, it's yes. a quarter. It's a quarter of the time. So, <laughs> yeah. And my mother-in-law said that the kids really took responsibility of that, which made me feel Aww, good. Good. Um, but I'm hoping that they wait to hatch until tomorrow because I realize I don't have chick food or pine bedding. So I need a well, store to open. <laughs> the good thing with that is that they're good for like three days on the food front. So you at oh, least good. got that covered because they're still absorbing that egg yolk. Yeah, and I can always put them in their little, uh, what's it called? I have like a, a trough, like one of those big water troughs for them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I can just cover the floor with some paper towels and put some water in there, and they'll be good to go for several days as long as they've got yeah. a heat source and I keep it clean. Yes. Good, good. So I'll keep everybody good. updated. I'll post, well, I mean, by the time this posts, obviously, you'll know how many hatched. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the problems with not being live I suppose Eh, whatever (laughs) after reading a clickbait article about how we'll all be eating insects by 2030 cousins Sean and Patrick did the not so obvious thing they ordered 700 black soldier fly grubs to raise in their laundry room as their first generation of grubs wiggled into the world grubbly farms was born When Grubbly Farms introduced black soldier fly grubs, a.k.a. Grubblies, to the backyard chickens of America, the protein-packed, calcium-rich super snacks had flocks clucking with enthusiasm from coast to coast. Grubbly Farms provides a nutritious treat to your flock, and what they're doing actually helps the environment with their mission of sustainability. 
Did you know that every pound of Grubly's purchased means that 10 pounds of food waste is diverted from landfills and that offsets seven pounds of carbon dioxide? How amazing is that? That is so amazing. Mm -hmm. When you buy Grubly's, you're not only keeping your flock healthy and happy, you're also helping the environment. And that's what we call a win-win situation. So head over to grublyfarms.com and use the code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order. (sighs) So how are Herc's balls or lack of balls? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Herc has finally had his second surgery and he's currently recovering like a champ yay i am so relieved i was just out there uh, just a little bit ago and while it's extremely swollen back there uh the stitches are still in place and he's eating and drinking and running and doing all of his normal things so i'm feeling very very optimistic about this right at this moment right now good so uh, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about uh, what sort of led up to this issue that Herc ended up having and how I feel like I've sort of grown as a as a large livestock owner because of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that like we can share this experience and, and maybe help someone else in the future when they come across an issue like what Herc had, which turns out was incredibly rare. Oh. Yeah. So um, when we'll kind of just backpedal just a tiny bit. If you want to hear a little more about uh, what had started to go wrong, if you missed episode 67, I followed up um, about the issue that he was starting to have in that episode. So you can listen to that follow up and kind of get completely up to speed if you're just now listening and this is your first episode. But when I felt like the vet that originally performed his gelding surgery didn't take my concerns about um, he had some tissue bulging from the surgical site. He wasn't taking it very seriously. So I went and I found a new vet. So I was like, I can't have this when I call. And I tell you that my donkey's bleeding. Like, I need you to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can be kind of difficult uh, because, you know, they take live. They're not a lot of livestock vets. And I live in a really rural area of Ohio. So I understand that the vets are super busy. So if they don't think it's anything super out of, out of the ordinary or weird, they're probably just like, it's OK. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Right. So um, I found a vet that was younger and really like took the time to visit with her. And I felt like I really connected with her because we were similar. We're around the same age. She really likes livestock animals. She lives right down the road from me. Mm-hmm. So we were able to like really bond and connect on that level. And uh, she really took time with her. She listened to his heart. She showed me how to pick up his front hoof so that I could look under there a little easier without him kicking me. Mm-hmm. And um, she indeed confirmed that what was going on in his nether regions was not normal. Mm. And I'll kind of describe it a little bit more again. He, It looked like his uh, surgical site had busted open and there was a ball of tissue like the size of a baseball hanging out of it oh yeah Blech. yeah it was super gross <laughs> and it wasn't like bleeding or anything but it was really red and like angry looking mm. and he did make it bleed a few times because not only can Kirk Herc 
kick himself in the balls, but when he's rolling over and dust bathing, he can bite himself down there too. Oh, <laughs> and if it's irritating him, then yeah, that might be his go-to. Exactly. He's on his back. He's biting at it. So like one time he ran up to me, he had like blood all over his face. <laughs> I was like, ew, what's going on? And he turned around and I was like, oh, dang it, Herc, leave that alone. <laughs> Get a donkey, they said. It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Donkeys are so great. You guys should totally get one, too. <laughs> eh, I'm going to tell my husband to skip this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, don't listen. If, if Yeah, if, if if somebody in your family is on the fence about getting a donkey, this probably isn't the best episode. But <laughs> it has a it has a happy ending. So, okay. yeah, okay. I, I totally spoiled it by saying that he was recovering. But spoiled it in a good way. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm glad it's not like, her died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, glad that's not the case. If that had happened, we probably would have had to wait to record this episode yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. Just because it would be really hard to talk about. Be too raw. Yeah. Yeah, like super raw. Like his lack of balls. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so after she came and looked at him, she definitely confirmed that he would very likely need a second surgery to remove whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So we scheduled the surgery because he needed to be put under general anesthesia again. Um, because he's a donkey and I don't have a whole lot of handling skills with him. So really getting up there and looking at it was impossible. It was nearly impossible because, you know, you got to like spread the skin apart, get up there, really put your face up there and yeah, uh, those, those legs. (laughs) He'll kick you in the face. He really will. I mean, only if he wants to, uh, But over the course of the week, she went ahead and took the time to consult with some colleagues that she has. Uh, She was trained at an equine surgical center in Kentucky. So that's where she did a lot of her like formal uh, internships. Mm -hmm. So I felt, you know, really confident that the people that she she was talking to knew what they were doing and and were experienced. And so I was really happy to see that she was willing to do that because she was kind of a newer and younger vet. So the odds of her running across something like what her cad was super slim. And uh, unfortunately, uh, they kind of decided that what was going on with Herc was extremely rare. And so there wasn't a whole lot of agreement between them on what it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And I found that also. Uh, it was really, really difficult to find information on this because it turns out like most of the time geldings just go as expected, which is good. Right, right. It's an excellent thing. But when you have a problem, it can make it extremely difficult to get it treated. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've all been there. You get an animal on your farm, they get sick. And so we consult the Google and our online forums to sleuth out what we should do next. But like, what the hell are you supposed to do when nothing comes up? It just kind of becomes a situation where we we don't know what to do next. Like, right. what's the right course of action? And I don't know. I don't know anything about donkeys either, so that doesn't help. <laughs> right. It's not like I was already a, a trained, you know, equine owner that at least had an idea of what a normal donkey was supposed to act like. Right. Like, I didn't even have that as a baseline. <laughs> <laughs> so, um 
anesthesia has its risks and uh the vet and i talked and we decided that we didn't want to put him under until we knew what we were dealing with could be handled at the time that she put him under because what would have happened was we would have put him under, put him under she would have looked and she'd been like oh this can't be taken care of in the field so who would have had to wake him back up again put him back and then schedule to go back, you know, like to a surgical center or somewhere else and then have him be put under again. Mm-hmm. And general anesthesia is, is kind of risky. Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time, but you don't want to do it unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a human being, I've never been put under general anesthesia, so I have no idea what it feels no. like. Yeah. I've been once, but I don't really remember it. And that's kind of the point. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so we had been planning on doing his second surgery in the field, um, like his gelding was, so that we could avoid having to transport him pre and post surgery, which is ultimately better for his well-being. Because if you know anything about donkey anatomy, they have some blood vessels up there near where their testicles are. Mm. And those are major arteries. And if they get broken open, the donkey can bleed to death very easily. We talked about that in the episode where we talked about gelding a donkey. Mm -hmm. So like transporting him for this kind of a surgery wasn't really ideal, but like also another thing about operating in the field is you're more prone to infection because, you know, we just, you're doing surgery in the grass. Right. It's not sterile. Shit all over that grass. No, (laughs) not sterile at all. So if you have like a big wound, you know, some bacteria and stuff can get in there. There's sprays and there's ways to clean the area and whatnot to clean it out to try to prevent some of that. But obviously an operating room is going to be so much more sterile than my grass. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just like a no brainer. Yeah, so if what we were dealing with was like super serious, surgery in an operating theater would be more ideal, even if we had to board him or, you know, run the risk of having an issue when we trailed him, trailered him back. We, we were kind of in a, like a no-win situation mm-hmm. because we didn't know what we were dealing with. It was just like, it was so unknown. We're like, do we spend the extra money to send him to this operating theater and then find out it's something really like benign that wasn't a big deal? Or do we open him up in the field and find out it is a big deal and then we regret it later and we're kicking ourselves because we made the wrong decision? So it's kind of like a no win. Uh, but the possibilities that we had gathered from so much research and just talking to people uh, was that... Um, It could be a herniation, which um, very, very, very rarely parts of the intestines will break through the muscle wall and come through the incision site of the gelding. Um, And that can cause a serious infection and damage to their organs. So if it was a herniation, like it needed to be taken care of immediately. Mm -hmm. It had already been weeks. So (laughs) we were really hoping it wasn't that. Another idea that we had was that it could be something called omentum which um, omentum is actually a really large organ and and humans have omentum also. It's an apron-like expanse of fatty tissue that covers the stomach and liver and other intestines. And what can happen is, is the surgical site is opened up and that apron, just like a tiny bit kind of falls out. You know, they're donkeys, they're kicking at it, they're biting at Mm -hmm. it, they're rolling it around and then more and more is falling out. So that was one of the possibilities. And another possibility that we came up with was that his vas deferens was too long. And I actually looked up how to pronounce that because I didn't want to say it wrong. (laughs) 
because the vas deferens, if you're not familiar with it, it's the organ that connects the testicles to the urethra so that mature sperm can travel through it. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes during gelding surgery, that has to be clipped back and, and shortened to prevent it from hanging out. I have to be really immature for a second and and point out that we're talking about the vast deference on episode 69. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You would. You planned that, didn't you? I did. (laughs) I mean, how could I not point out it was episode 69? I'm like a 12-year-old. That is why you wanted to switch topics and talk about this because you're like, episode 69. I knew it. (laughs) Yep. And so one of the things that happened while we were talking about all these possibilities was um, this new vet really impressed me because she called me and she's like, hey, Bev, I've never seen anything like this and I have no idea what we're dealing with. So I feel really uncomfortable with opening him up and not knowing Mm -hmm. what we're getting into. She's like, I really think it's best that we find another vet that may have possibly run across one of these issues that we've discovered and talked about um, or take him to the surgical site. And I I just loved that because, you know, we kind of live in a world where people can overstate what their abilities are. Mm -hmm. And it just felt really refreshing that she was just like, I'm not comfortable with this. Let's like time out. Let's stop. So I felt really good about the advice that I had gotten from her. So what did you do? Yeah. So uh, I had <laughs> I had managed to get a picture of it. And I got to figure out how to share these pictures that I took with people. I'm thinking about writing a blog post and just throwing it up on my Rust Roost blog, even though I haven't blogged there in forever. Because I really think that these pictures would be super helpful for people that want to see them. But as you can imagine, they're super disgusting. <laughs> so they're yeah. not exactly. I, I don't want people to have to see them on Instagram if they don't want to. So uh, I think I'm going to do that, and I'll link to that in the show notes if I end up doing it, or I'll shout it out later if I decide to do it. So if anybody wants to see it, they can. And uh, since I had gotten a picture of it, uh, Jared and I talked, and we decided to go ahead and call the vet that had done the original gelding surgery because he was familiar with her, so he knew what he was getting into. Mm-hmm. And he knew if anything had maybe possibly like not gone perfectly during it, he would have an idea of what it could possibly be. So I sent him that picture and he like called me that day and was like, that is not normal. It is not supposed to look like that. We'll do surgery on him tomorrow to figure out what it is. And I was so relieved. I was like, this is going to be over with. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) But also I was a little uh, concerned because I was like, this must be serious. And he wants to do it the next day. Like it's a Saturday. Right. (laughs) this can't possibly be good but I really learned a valuable lesson during this um because I realized that I I have not been like advocating clearly for Herc in this issue because I try really hard not to be what's what I'm looking for uh like hysterical when something's going wrong a helicopter donk mom yeah exactly because I I (laughs) want people to take me seriously when serious things happen So I try really hard not to overblow it. But like when I truly am concerned about something being serious, like I need to be more direct and clear and forceful that I think somebody really needs to look at this rather than just, you know, like 
listening to them downplay it and be like, no, it's not a big deal. Cause like, I mean, it's, we live in sort of a tough internet era. You can Google anything and come back. Like every symptom that you Google means that everything is dying. Right. So everyone's always all worked up every time something is going wrong. And like as medical professionals, and this is totally speculation corner, they could be sort of trying to combat that by giving you the giving not like a diagnosis, but giving you the idea that whatever it is, is probably the most probable and also like lesser serious uh, scenario. Because they don't want to work you up for no reason because they haven't seen you or seen your animal. So they're not positive on what it is. So like automatically jumping to the worst conclusion isn't good for anybody. Mm-hmm. Like it's not very likely that it's the worst situation out there. Right. Right. Yeah. And I guess just be more like me. <laughs> be more like you. What are you like? Yeah. Like, OK, so here's the bit. Oh, boob, everything's fine. His balls or lack of balls are fine. And you go, uh, no, what I'm seeing here is not fine. And I need you to come out here to take a look at it because I can't get a picture of it because he's going to kick me in the face. So (laughs) I need you to come out here or I'm going to find another vet. Period. Yeah. And I probably need to be better at being more direct with people. It's hard, though. I can I can sit here and say that. But to you right now and just drink my fancy cider and (laughs) but it's hard anytime I have to be like that even at work like my palms are sweaty my heart is pounding because it doesn't feel good but advocating for yourself does kind of stimulate that reaction sometimes no matter what it's for any kind of confrontation even if you are being respectful but firm can cause that reaction in your body and it doesn't feel good and it might make you think you're doing something wrong. So it's something that takes practice and that is not easy even after you have lots of practice. But I'm glad that you've kind of learned that through this experience that you got to put your foot down sometimes and trust your gut instinct because, you know, with farm animals, like you said, you, you learn as you go. Sometimes you don't know enough. Or you know just enough to get into trouble. Um, and and you have to know that line of, okay, I don't know enough at this point. I can't find anything, but this is really worrying me. So it is worth advocating for. Not just yourself, but your animal. Yeah, and like doing that that advocating, it, it really, it made me feel like I was going to physically vomit. Mm-hmm. That was how mm-hmm. I felt while I was talking to people. Because I'm like, if I'm wrong, everyone's going to think that I'm hysterical. And they're never going to believe me when something really wrong happens. And so like all those scenarios just like kind of play through my head. But also I think one of the things that like as a community too, we can do to kind of combat that feeling is like, have you ever been in a chicken group and somebody's like, Oh, my chicken's limping. What's happening. And everybody's like, Merrick's it's Merrick's. You're like, hold on a second. (laughs) There's like a thousand reasons why a chicken could be limping. So like, why do we work ourselves up into a frenzy? Like yeah, that. you have to be well, more if careful. If you Google it, it's Merrick Smacks. Right? <laughs> I was like, oh Jesus, no, probably it's probably really not, but it's something you should consider. But have you checked the bottom of the foot? It's probably more likely Bumblefoot at this point. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think it's like we kind of do it to each other too. The internet does mm-hmm. it to us, and we do it to each other, and it's kind of giving me like 
to be more mindful and remind people to slow down and check all the possibilities first. Like that wouldn't have necessarily worked in Herc's case because it was so rare. But yeah, I think there's a lot of cases where it does work. And I've totally worked myself up into that Merrick's friend Lizzie and then felt like an idiot. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm so ridiculous sometimes. <laughs> right. But you also have to give yourself the grace to learn Right. So, yes, we might work ourselves up into America's frenzy, but learn from that frenzy. <laughs> and then it's not for nothing. Yeah, that's true. It gives us a stepping stone, like, yeah. to what our next experience with that kind of a situation could possibly feel like. Like, you're not going to get it right the second time or no. maybe even the third yeah. time. But. And it's all about just. Taking it easy on yourself, being open to learning and giving zero clucks what others think about your learning process, too. That's true. And that is, seriously, it's so much easier said than done because there is a lot of just, like, I think, like, things are thrown out just in passing, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, casual, in a casual way. They can really stab someone, like, in the oh, heart yeah. that's just experienced something similar. And you're like, and then those evil gremlins in your head start telling you what a failure you are and how ridiculous you are and then you're like oh no maybe I shouldn't be doing any of this and you're like no that's not right you just made a mistake and it's okay to move forward yes (laughs) it's okay to be wrong (laughs) Mm -hmm. but part of being wrong is admitting it when you're wrong and trying to do better next time I guess (laughs) yeah and that's okay because we're all human (laughs) we only get this to go on this trip once yeah Uh, and it's going to be a little bumpy. <laughs> right. I mean, if it wasn't bumpy, would it be any fun? Probably not. Yeah. Because you'd have no baseline of what's really good or really bad. <laughs> oh, that's true. Good point. I'm full of the good points today. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> well, and, you know, my, like my biggest takeaway from this was just to try to be more organized with my thoughts and more clear when I think that somebody needs something whether it's myself or my kids or my animals like don't I I, when I get nervous I talk a lot and really fast (laughs) and it can kind of muddle what the issue could possibly be so bullet point lists are really good for me with just a handful of words because then it keeps Mm -hmm. me on topic and I can just be clear factual Mm-hmm. not overly emotional and that helps get my my communication across communication is really difficult I'm 35 years old I still don't know how to communicate clearly <laughs> well it's hard and in those skills that you just talked about are transferable to anything so Herc's surgery was yesterday and I already spoiled that he was recovering well and it turns out that the tissue hanging out of his body was a hunk of scar tissue that looked like half of a bratwurst. Ew. It was so gross. Ew. <laughs> like, beyond gross. Yeah. And uh, the surgery ended up being kind of stressful. Uh, but because we had been handling him a lot, it was smoother than his gelding surgery. So I was super pleased about that. Good. And removing the tissue took a lot of cutting. So we were exhausted by the end of it because we had to hold him down. And even with the general anesthetic and the local um, pain relief, it kind of seemed like either it was still causing pain or he was just like, he was just really concerned that there were three people on top of him cutting at his man region. (laughs) And I imagine too, it's like a pressure thing. Oh yeah. Like a lot of pressure. That's like when I got 
the goats when I got there cut and pulled on on their little goat balls I think that was mostly pressure um and they didn't and they were like why is mom holding me this way (laughs) yeah they're like we're not used to being so aggressively hugged right exactly (laughs) or not this not from this angle anyway yeah (laughs) something must be wrong this is terrible but this is like a great segue into like have we really talked about like how hands-on you have to be in your animal's health when you are a livestock owner Mm -hmm. like you don't just get to drop your donkey or your goat off at the vet and they come back all sleepy with a cone on their head happy to see you (laughs) when they need to be gelded or whatever like you got to be the one holding the rope that's keeping the kicking hoof from hitting the the vet in the face which is a lot of trust by the way I'm kind of shocked that the vet gives me that kind of trust (laughs) yeah yeah for sure which means that I must uh, exude much more confidence than I feel like I do on the inside. So that's good. I'll take it. <laughs> and uh, it the surgery was just kind of a little scary because I was keeping a really close eye on his breathing. And was I was continuing to will him to keep breathing because there was a lot of blood with having to remove that much tissue. Mm. I was watching and I was like, oh, this is not this doesn't feel good. And the vet seemed a little stressed, but he was good. He was a pro. I was really glad I called him again. There was a reason why he did his first gelding surgery. Mm-hmm. I just needed to be reminded of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it was really good, though, because five minutes after the last suture was done, he was up. And within like 20 or 30 minutes, he was back in with his goats. So mm-hmm. he just like bounced back. He's yeah. a trooper. What a good little donk. He is. But... I thought it was really good to share this because even though I know that what Herc went through was really rare, there are some people out there that are just interested in it because they're interested in Herc. But also, if you know of somebody that's having an issue with their donkey gelding, maybe this might help give them some information that they've been looking for. Because, I mean, my, my vet was like, I've gelded hundreds and hundreds of donkeys and I've never seen anything like this. We have hmm. no idea why it happened. So, yeah. Totally unexplained. Right. Stuff happens. Yeah, it does, especially on a farm. You could just mm-hmm. say shit happens because there's lots of shit all over the place here and sometimes yeah. just shitty things happen. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to get some ducks and geese. Oh, then I can have rocketing shit happen. Well, my duck, Rocket, who is a girl, <laughs> she is sitting on a huge clutch of eggs right now. So I could bring you some ducks. Oh. Oh, there we ducklings. go. <laughs> then you can have ducks on your farm, so you can <laughs> really have shit everywhere. <laughs> well, now it's time for a We Can't Even corner. Yes. So what is your We Can't Even this week? Okay. I was gonna I was gonna let you go first since I've talked so much, but I can I can get mine out of the way if you'd That rather. would mean I'd have to scroll a lot, so <laughs> I'll let you go first because I don't know what this is and I want to (laughs) know. Okay. So a Japanese zoo escape drill went viral on the internet this week. (laughs) And it was kind of hilarious. So I found all of this at BoredPanda.com because if you're really bored, BoredPanda is a good place to go. Hmm. Especially if you want to be entertained or you're looking for things to can't even about like I was at 11 o'clock this morning. Turns out the only thing I couldn't even about was Herc, so I had to find something, and I saw this. I was like, this is so freaking hilarious. Perfect. 
So we, we've all been through various emergency drills, right? So whether that's a fire drill at work or like a flight attendant is waving their hands around and going through all the things that could go wrong mid-flight, um, it turns out that there are other types of drills that are done out there. And one of them is a drill for when zoo animals escape, mm. which is just insane. I didn't realize they had to practice that. <laughs> I mean, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> it does. It, and now that I think about it, I totally get it. Because they're right. Like we, we plan for all sorts of other drills. So why not, you know, all of the cages break and the zoo animals get out? So this Japanese zoo was performing a lion escape zoo. And it totally made sense to have a human dressed up as a lion to do the drill. <laughs> so the footage shows the person pretending to be an escaped lion wandering around the zoo, most likely looking for prey. And the fake lion was observed by the real lion inhabitants of the zoo. And the real lions were looking at this fake lion like, what in the world <laughs> is happening out there? <laughs> and... The people, the Twitterverse, like, really responded to this video. There'll be a link to this in the show notes, so you guys can go watch it if you haven't seen it yet. But the Twitterverse was were, were the real stars of the show. Um, this user at law underscore Schwab said, I worked in a zoo, and I can confirm that they do these drills exactly like this. And one time they did a rhino drill and very slowly drove a golf cart around with a rhino label on it. <laughs> 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 I'm just picturing this golf cart with like a sign, like a poster board sign in Sharpie that just says Rhino. <laughs> At my work when we did a fire drill, somebody had a sign that said I am the fire and was like standing in the hallway. So you have to go the different way. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I was like, really? I'm just trying to go outside. I know all the exits, but fine. You're the fire. Woo! All right. <laughs> <laughs> and this other tweeter, that's what I call them, a tweeter person, said, uh, called uh, Architect2RA said, they've just taught the lions their emergency plan. I'm not sure that's the smartest move. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's now so the true. Lions, the lions know where else to go. <laughs> but the video of the dude running around the zoo in the lion costume while the animals are staring at him is is quite something to see uh, i really enjoyed it and made my morning so go check that out if you haven't yet <laughs> i'm sure the employee just had the best day doing that i mean i'd like to get paid to just run around in a lion suit please and thank you there are worse jobs you could have yeah there are mm -hmm. so what can't you even about this week so um i kind of, i feel like i kind of cheated but i really connected with this article uh natalie quist posted this in our facebook group and the title of the article is uh, Move Over Goat Yoga, Alaskans Now Have Reindeer Yoga. And the article <laughs> she posted is from NPR.org. Um, I'm not going to read the full article, but essentially, um, you know, these people in Fairbanks, Alaska have a yoga class <laughs> that is with reindeer. Um, and my first thing is like, well, I hope the reindeer aren't jumping on people like the goats do during goat yoga. Um, it doesn't appear that way, but the reindeer um, has only done three classes or the reindeer yoga class has only occurred three times at this point. Um, and they thought it was 
a good idea because reindeers kind of can contort themselves in very twisty ways, especially in the springtime when their antlers are growing and they're itchy and they scratch them with the back of the hooves. So you'll see these reindeer going into like really cool, amazing poses. And you're just like, wow, reindeer, they, they're little yogis at heart. So um, <laughs> all the classes start with a little safety talk about like, don't touch the reindeer sensitive antlers because it'll hurt them. Um, and then it goes through like a normal yoga class. The instructor takes the time to point out like really cool reindeer facts, like telling the people in the class to listen because the reindeers make a click when they walk. And that's a ligament connected to two different ankle bones, which is unique to both caribou and reindeer. So not only are you doing yoga and hanging out with reindeer, you're learning fun facts. So I think this is something, you know, that I could... I could be down with. So if you want to read the full article and see some fun pictures, um, we'll link to that NPR article in the show notes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Does the reindeer climb on you while you're doing like downward dogs? That'd be awkward. I hope not. That would be heavy. <laughs> it would be super heavy. So we have a farm story this week. We do. And I have it pulled up. Would you like me to read it? Or do you want to read it? I would love it if you told me a story. I want nothing more than to be told a story right now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is from our friend via Gmail. She emailed us the story. Uh, Tina Stevens. And she says, hi, Sam and Bev. I have a farm-related story that I thought you might enjoy. I don't enjoy running. Well, that makes two of us, Tina. That makes three of us. (laughs) Unfortunately, I need the exercises, and it's the most effective way for me to get it. Luckily, I found this app called Zombies Run. You run your normal route, and every few minutes it plays a bit of a story. The premise is that you're surviving the zombie apocalypse with a group of others, and your job is to be a runner, where you get sent on missions. On these missions, all kinds of unexpected things happen, but the most important thing that you own, that you're running so the zombies don't get you. So I just want to interject in here really quick. I have used that app. When I used to run on the treadmill at the gym, that was what I ran to. That was my story time. So I love that app. It's super fun if anybody's out there that wants to exercise hasn't used it yet. (laughs) She says, although I'm not a fan of zombie movies, I find the story to be quite engaging and it makes running almost fun for me. This morning, I went for a run and was very engrossed in the story. I made it back to my house a few minutes before the mission was over, so I decided to just run around my circular drive a few more times to hear the end. It was actually very fitting because in the story, I had to run to the mall to search for a store for supplies and was leaving by running down the parking ramp trying to avoid crawling zombies. Suddenly, in real life, something stuck struck the back of my leg. I screamed out loud, and for a moment, I may have thought I was being attacked attacked by a crawler. Oh, no. I spun around, and there was my free-range, silver-gray dorkling rooster about to flog me again. Needless to say, it took quite a while for my heart rate to return back to normal. Cheers, Tina. Oh, my gosh. Which is hilarious. That's yeah, that fit hilarious. in really well with our uh, rooster tangent earlier. Yeah, and she sent us a little picture, too, with the, the little guy behind her looking a little feisty. We'll uh, have that in the carousel of pictures for this episode. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for sending that farm story. And if others feel so inspired after hearing Tina's story, 
email us your stories uh, via email. Yes, because I already said email at drinkandfarm at gmail.com or you can send them via direct message on Instagram. And now it's housekeeping time. Housekeeping. And it's field trip time. And the field trip is next week because this drops on Friday. So it's the next Friday. The Naperville Ale Fest is July 13th at Naper's Settlement in Naperville, Illinois. The link to the event page where you can buy tickets will be in the show notes. Um, There will be 200 unique craft beers, live music, some of Chicagoland's favorite food trucks, and of course your favorite podcast co-hosts from We Drink and We Farm Things. So if you're going, let us know in the Facebook group or send us an email at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And we'll come say hi to you. We'll try to find you. And take our survey. You can give us anonymous feedback. There's a link to that in the show notes. And join that Facebook group if you haven't already. And there will be a link to that in the Facebook group too. And please be sure and review us in all the places. And if you really like us, download the episodes when you listen and hit that subscribe button. And we've also started loading our previous episodes to YouTube, and we will start dropping some videos in there from our adventures. So go subscribe to that, please and thank you. And we sell merch. There's links to both of those shops in the show notes, so don't miss out on that awesome, cool things stuff. Yes. Yeah. Buy all the things. Yes, it supports the podcast. And we're on Instagram and we have a hashtag. If you use hashtag drink and farm on Instagram, anytime you are drinking something you love and farming safely, uh, we like to share those every Tuesday and Thursday. And sometimes we even share those in the stories too. So this is your community. Use the hashtag and find each other. Go team. Go team. And thanks for listening, guys. We love doing these episodes for you. Yes, we love drinking a beer and talking to each other and recording it for your listening pleasure. Um, And we also like your feedback. I feel like we got a lot of great feedback on the mental health episode. So thank you for that. It really is kind of selfishly validating um, to me. I don't know how Bev feels, but it makes me feel really good that you guys enjoyed that episode because it was not an easy one to put on. (laughs) Yeah, um, I felt really good about that also because um, it felt like... The message we were trying to get across would possibly reach some people that we were hoping it would. So it felt very fulfilling to me that people gave us feedback on that episode. So yeah, thanks guys. Thanks. And most of all, drink, farm, and and give give zero zero clucks. Bye guys. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.